Well, good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I hate to admit it, but sometimes during uh, the hymn in this particular morning, uh, A Christmas Carol, uh, I did not realize there were so many verses to that song. So if it looked like I was saying watermelon, 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 it's because I, I didn't realize. But that's a beautiful song. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. There's no um, preaching in our regular service today. It's our Christmas program. So I decided to, I'm not going to preach, preach, but I'm not going to teach either. I'm going to treat, so it's going to kind of be together. Um, and so it'll be a little bit different today, but I do feel like the Lord wants to talk to us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, familiar verse of scripture says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. Uh, find someone as close to you as you can and just look at them and say, God with us. God is with us. And so I'd like to speak on that subject for just a moment. God with us. Could we put our Bibles down and lift up our hands and let's, let's just pray for a moment, shall we? Lord, in your name, I pray that even at the 10 o'clock service on Sunday morning, that you would move in our hearts, move in our minds. I pray that we would be awake and aware of the reality that you are here, that you are with us even now in this moment, not just thousands of years ago on a star-studded night, but right here this morning in 2018, moving into 2019, you are here in our midst, and we give you praise, and we give you glory. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The, uh, the psalmist poetically referred to God over and over again as their refuge, their fortress, and their ever-present help in the time of need. They spoke of shelter of the Most High and the shadow of the Almighty King. Uh, David wrote in Psalm 32 and 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. And I think all of those things are beautiful descriptors of a God they had never seen before, a God that they had never seen with their eyes. They had never been able to touch. In fact, very few people had heard the voice of God. Certainly, no one had the Spirit of God dwelling inside of them as we are privileged to have today. But the beauty of the Christmas story is that God came down into the midst of his own creation as a man. The great creator, the psalm said, became my savior, and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. How many understand that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells inside of Jesus Christ? I love this story. I've told it before, but uh, it bears repeating. In 1921, William Booth Cliburn preached a successful tent revival in Lodi, California. Uh, I've preached in Lodi, California. It's just one of those towns that you kind of pass through when you're going to another town. 
But William was inspired by the results, and he suggested that the revival uh, continue, and they wanted to have more meetings and move further south, and they wanted to set up a tent in the city of Holtville. And they gathered the permits and lighting, and they began having revival services. But right in the middle of this great revival and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost where many, many people were coming to the Lord, uh, lightning and rain uh, began to literally uh, disrupt every part of the service. They couldn't even have church. They had to shut it down. This was in the days of tent revivals. Anybody ever been in a tent revival before? Uh, I, I love having a tent revival. I think I'm just kind of uh, talking out loud here, but uh, I'd love to have a tent revival right out here in, in the front of the church someday and have singing outside. But the problem with a tent revival is, uh, you know, if, if thunder and lightning and hurricanes and uh, tornadoes come, well, you're going to know it's happening. You're going you're gonna to know something's going on. It's going to be very difficult. And so they, they lost power, and uh, it was very discouraging. And because uh, the revival was shut down, they were completely depending on, on the offerings of that revival to pay for the expense of it. They were not able to pay the light bill for the week of disappointing meetings. And Reverend Cliburn and his team had to pick up temporary jobs as field hands, harvesting corn, so they could pay their bills back. And the evangelist uh, was not used to that kind of work. Uh, he had never harvested corn before. He'd never done that kind of labor. And he was very discouraged and even began to question his anointing, began to question his calling. And he sat down crestfallen and dejected in the field. And in this moment of discouragement and self-pity, the Lord began to deal with him. And I can testify that in moments of discouragement, God will deal with you. In moments of fear, God will step in and speak to your heart. And as God began to speak to William, words began to flow in his spirit directly from the Holy Ghost. And he began to sing the words to one of the greatest anthems of the apostolic church. He wrote this, down from his glory ever-living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger, to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all. And this is the part I like. He said, the great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. What condescension bringing us redemption that in the dead of night, not one fate, hope in sight. God, gracious, tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. O oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary, and now I know thou art the great I am. Oh, how I love him, 
how I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Down from his glory is one of the greatest apostolic anthems of all time, in my opinion. And it was birthed from pain. It was birthed from discouragement. It was birthed from a perceived failure in the life of a preacher that was depending on God for everything. But when God spoke to William in the middle of that field, it reminded him that Emmanuel is God with us. Even in our darkest moments, God is with us. Even when we feel like a failure, God is with us. When we feel like we can't take another step, God is with us. When we feel like we don't have anything left to give, God is with us. And when you least expect it, he will show up and he will strengthen you. When you least expect it, he will encourage you. When you feel like you don't have a friend left in the world, he'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you don't have an earthly father, he'll be your father. When you don't have a plan, he will give you a plan that is better for your life than what you could have ever planned for yourself. He is the great God. He is the great creator. The same one who spoke the stars into existence. The same one who spoke the oceans into existence. The same one who balanced the earth in perfect precision. The creator of this world. He is our savior. He is our God. He is our helper. And he loves us. And he is with us. And he is here. That is the essence of the Christmas story. God is with us. I don't know what might be raining on your personal revival today. Does everybody understand that we have to have a personal revival? You know, we talk about corporate revival and churches need to be revived. Sometimes all of us at the same time, we have revival services. We come to church for that. But sometimes in your personal time of prayer, in your personal moments with God, you need God to revive you. You need God to encourage you. Lift up your head. The Bible says to encourage yourself in the Lord. That doesn't mean that, that you're depending on your power or your strength. When we say that we're encouraging ourselves in the Lord, it simply means that we're going to lean on God and he will encourage us. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Sometimes you have to go back and remember what he did for you in the past. Because let's be honest, sometimes the present is not as good as the past was. And sometimes the future doesn't look as bright as the past looked. But if you remember what God did for you in the past, you will know that your future is in God's hands. What things look like right now have nothing to do with what they can be with God. What you feel like right now has nothing to do with what God will do and can do in your spirit. And so every once in a while, you have to look back and say, God, I remember when I was standing in front of a Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was behind me and I thought I was going to die. But you parted the waters and you were with me. You were my ever-present help. You are Emmanuel, God with us. 
Somebody this morning needs to be revived in the Holy Ghost at Christmas time. And you need to remember that he is here. He is for you and he is able to move in your life. I don't know. You know, I know that Christians in general are, are guilty. And I'm, I'm always careful when I say this because um, I realize that it's good for us to be positive. Anybody think it's good to be positive? Nobody likes it. Um, when, <laughs> let me be careful, but nobody enjoys uh, going up to someone and, and, and say, well, how are you doing today? And then you get a 45-minute list of everything that went wrong that morning. That's hard, to, that's hard isn't it? It's hard when that happens. And, uh, but at the same time, even though we want to be positive and it's good to um, try to dwell on the things that are, that are good that are happening, we can get to a place where we're fake. And we don't want to be fake, do we? We want to be real. It's okay to admit that everything isn't perfect. It's okay to admit that maybe we're praying for God to do something in our life. It's okay to say, you know what? Uh, I, I'm in a valley right now, but I trust that God's going to bring me through the valley. It's okay to acknowledge if you're sick, it's okay to say, I'm praying that God would heal my body. You don't have to pretend like you're not sick, but you can trust God and admit, hey, something's going on, but I believe even in my sickness that God is a way maker. So I don't know what it is that you're facing today. What fiery furnace, maybe there's things coming up this year. Maybe 2019 has uh, some things on the horizon that you know are going to be difficult. And, and if you focus on it, it can be discouraging. Uh, at Christmas time, sometimes people uh, struggle with uh, uh, depression. Sometimes people struggle with uh, memories of things that they wish they could go back to or things they wish they could have done differently. I think the reason for that is because the whole nature of, of any holiday, really, but especially Christmas, is it brings memories back. E everything we do, the songs that we heard when we were children, uh, food that we ate when we were children. Did you know you can eat something that will just take you right back to your childhood? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I've I got to be careful because my parents are here. Um, <laughs> but at, at Thanksgiving time, I was thinking about it this year. I don't particularly like everything that we make and eat at Thanksgiving. I know, Lord, forgive me. I repent. So every year, my, my precious mother, who's right here, I love you so much, <laughs> makes this green slime jello. Is it lime? There's a lime slime jello. And there's, uh, there's nuts in it, cottage cheese, sour cream. Forgive us, Lord. And, uh, and she makes it. I think Pastor really likes it a lot. And for as long as I can remember, at Thanksgiving time, there's been this green slime jello. Lime, not slime. Both, both descriptors work. And uh, it's, it's right out there. It's prominent on the table. And uh, I'll just be honest, uh, I do not like it. Now, this is, this is not a surprise. My mother knows this. Uh, I just don't, I don't like it. But you know, 
it would not be Thanksgiving to me if there was no green slime on the table. I don't like to eat it. I do. I put some, I put like a little dollop on my plate and I take a little thing and I remind myself, nope, still, still terrible. Don't like that at all. But, but if I did not get to do that, and if I wasn't able to complain about it, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving. It takes me right back to being six years old. Just, just seeing it, smelling it, tasting it. Even though I don't just love it, it takes me right back to childhood. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are certain things. Uh, you know, scientists tell us that smell, uh, taste, all of those things are deeply attached to our memory, our, our memory cortex. And so... Uh, there's something about holidays where uh, if you have a tradition that you do every year, uh, it, just, it just takes you right back. That's why we sometimes feel like kids again, even if it's just a second, just a second, just a brief second, you feel like a child at Christmas time or at Thanksgiving. It's just that memory takes you back. And that's a wonderful thing, but it can also be, it can also be a sad thing because sometimes it reminds you of things that are no longer in your life or things that, are, uh, that are, have changed that you wish hadn't changed. And people wrestle with that. And we put on uh, our, our happy face and we, and we do what we know we have to do. We, we stand strong and we, and we push past those feelings. But in our alone moments, we dwell on those things. And let me tell you what God spoke into my heart for each and every one of us for this year. God is with us. He is here. He is Emmanuel. Whatever furnace you're facing in the upcoming year, whatever disappointments are plaguing your mind right now, right here today, I want to remind you that he is Emmanuel, God with us. Sometimes people feel alone at holiday times. They feel as if they are by themselves, even when they're in a crowded room of people. Is there anyone here that's ever been in a big crowded room and you felt like you were all by yourself? You don't have to raise your hand. I feel that way. I'm an introverted personality. I can be in a big room and feel like I'm all alone. But I'm going to tell you something. We have to remind ourselves that God is with us. He is there. He is for us. You know, it, it must have been terrifying for Mary to give birth to Jesus in a barn. But when Mary looked down at that child, she was looking at Emmanuel, God with us. And by the way, I, I personally believe that God sent the shepherds and the wise men bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to reassure Mary and Joseph that their baby was truly the king of kings. And I believe that God sent the star of Bethlehem to assure Mary and Joseph that their baby Jesus was indeed the light of the world. Sometimes we have to be reminded. Sometimes God will put things around us to remind us that he is working all things together for our good. Sometimes God will send people and blessings and gifts into your life unexpectedly to remind you that he is with you, that he is for you. That's why it's so important to encourage one another in the Lord. 
let me just pause and, and speak to someone and say, if God lays it on your heart to be a blessing to someone this year, if God lays it on your heart to go and speak words of encouragement to someone this Christmas season, don't resist that because God wants to use you just like he used the shepherds and the wise men. You have no idea the pain that someone might be experiencing. And God is trying to reach you to go and let them know that he is for them. He is with them and he is working all things together for their good. God did all of that for Mary and Joseph. You know, it's, it's easy to forget that they were human, that they had doubts and fears just like you and I would have doubts and fears. Mary was not naive. I think a lot of times uh, writings about Mary and uh, plays about Mary and depictions, portrayals of Mary uh, tend to portray her as being very naive. Mary was not naive. She knew that a virgin birth was going to cause her to be an outcast in society. She knew. She knew the law. She knew her culture. She knew her people. She knew that people were not going to believe what God had done in her life. She knew that in her own hometown, this was going to be a struggle for her. People were going to talk behind her back for the rest of her life, and they did. She knew that this was going to be hard to tell Joseph. What if Joseph doesn't believe? Some of you men need to think about it. We probably wouldn't believe. Most people wouldn't. Unless an angel had gone to Joseph, it would have been very hard for him to take her word for it. It was difficult when she was nearing the time of birth and the word came that they were going to have to go all the way to Bethlehem, traveling in, over rough terrain, a long journey, uh, very, very pregnant, to go and pay their taxes. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It wasn't like they were going for some joyful occasion. They were going to pay their taxes. All of this was difficult. Then they get there and there's no room at the inn and they have to go to a stable. After all of these, God sent encouragement into their life and into their spirit. Can anyone testify that when you were at the end of your rope, God sent encouragement into your life? God sent a word. God sent someone to speak to you. God sent a blessing, a gift that was completely unexpected. God did it to let you know that he is with you, that he is for you. And sometimes after we've been rejected from the comforts of the inn and we're stuck in a barn, that's where some of us feel right now. It does not feel like God is with us, but he will send reminders that he is here and he's working all things together for our good. You probably never think about it, but we're living on a planet that is currently right now spinning around its axis at a speed of approximately a thousand miles per hour. That's very hard for me to comprehend with my mind. Some of you science geniuses out there, that makes perfect sense to you, but the earth is spinning at an incredible rate of speed. God created this process so precisely that we don't even feel it happening even now. We are literally moving in the galaxies, and here we are sitting today, and we think we're standing perfectly still. 
That's how God designed the universe. Plus, planet Earth is speeding through space at approximately 67,000 miles per hour. Every day we travel 1,608,000,000 miles through space without a single glitch. Most people get nervous when they get on an airplane because a human being is at the wheel. But we never ever stop and worry about this flying planet because God is in control and he is with us. We never stop and worry if the earth is going to suddenly spin out of control or fall out of the galaxy. No, because God is holding all things together in the palm of his hand. We can trust him if we can trust him to hold the stars in the sky. If we can trust him to hold the planet in his hand, how much more should we trust him for our daily lives? How much more should we put our personal life in the palm of his hand? Because he created you just as surely as he created the world. You know, one of the great tragedies of people who believe the lie of evolution and the false doctrine really Evolution is a false doctrine. So much of science today has really become a religion. Did you know that? Uh, many people trust science with a religious fervor. Brother Ryan, are you anti-science? No, I am for science. I'm thankful for science. Uh, and there is science that is, uh, that is honest and that has integrity. And, uh, but much of science today is not things that are verifiable. If you study the definition of science, science is supposed to be something that is proven and verifiable and observable. If it's not, if it's not proven, verifiable, and observable, it's a theory. But what we have today is many people who take theories and believe them as gospel. And then they tell you, you don't have to have any faith at all to believe in what they're telling you to believe. And then they mock Christians who have an experience with God and say, your faith is crazy. I'm going to tell you something. My faith is no crazier than someone who believes the world just happened by accident. Because I'm serving a God today that I know. I'm serving a God today that I experience every day. I'm serving a God whose voice that I've heard, whose hand that I felt leading me and guiding me. The same God who spoke this world into existence can speak to your heart today and the tragedy of of evolutionary thinking and false science so-called is that it removes who we are from the equation if you don't believe that god created the world it's very difficult to understand why you are in this world it's very difficult to know why you even exist if you don't know what God has done and what he is able to do. But you were created by the great creator. You're not an accident. You're not an aberration. You are created by the master designer. And when you look at the precision and the beauty of the universe, God put so much more time into you than he even did the world. Think about it for a moment. The world just took a few days for God to speak into existence, but God formed you in your mother's womb for nine or ten months. Hello. That's a revelation, isn't it? 
God spoke this entire universe into existence in just six days, but God formed you and formed you. And even today, God is forming your heart and forming your mind and working in your spirit. The creator is still creating in your life. You say, but there's things missing in my life, Brother Ryan. God can still speak into your life and create something because he is here and he is able to do whatever it is that you are depending on him to do. In the beginning, God spoke the universe into existence with four words. He said, let there be light. These are God's first recorded words, and this is God's first recorded miracle. Light is the source of vision. Without light, we can't see. Light is the key to all modern technology. Light is how we talk on the phone. Light is why we have cell phones. Light is how we are able to speak to people halfway around the world without a second's delay because light can circle the globe seven times a second. Light is the first link in the food chain. No photosynthesis equals no food. Light is the basis of health. The absence of light causes everything from vitamin deficiencies to depression. Light is the origin of energy. In Einstein's famous equation, E equals MC squared, M represents the speed of light. The speed of light is always constant, and the speed of light is how we measure space and time. God created light first because it undergirds everything else. In 1925, Edwin Hubble introduced his telescope to the world and discovered that the universe was 100,000 times larger than scientists previously thought was possible. But that wasn't even the most interesting part of the discovery. The Hubble telescope revealed that the universe is still expanding right at this very moment. And here's what that means. The four words spoken by God in the beginning are still creating galaxies at the outer edges of the universe. Galaxies are still being formed by the spoken word of God. With just four words, God created an ever-expanding universe that measures at least 93 billion light years in diameter. And all of that is just Genesis chapter 1. If God can do all of that with four words, imagine what Emmanuel, God with us, can do for you today. If God's word can cause the universe to expand, God can speak into your sickness. God can speak into your pain. God can speak into your family. God can speak into your future. When God spoke over you, when God spoke through you and you received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, God created a process of light that has still working today in your life. God is shaping you and forming you and molding you and making you every single day. What does it mean to have the Holy Ghost inside of you? It means that Emmanuel is dwelling in your heart. Emmanuel is dwelling in your life. And he's working a miracle every single day. Every breath that you take is a miracle from God.
Every time you lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting, it's a miracle from God. Every time you speak in faith, it is the Holy Ghost working another miracle inside of you. Every time you pray and enter into the presence of God without being struck dead like they would have been in the Old Testament, God is working a miracle inside of you. Every time you enter into His presence and feel the brush of angels' wings, it is a miracle from God that began when His Spirit first entered inside of you. What an amazing thing it is for us to have God living in us. God with us. Genesis chapter 2 records the very first instance of God coming down in the midst of his creation. He reached into the dust of the ground and he formed Adam. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In the next verse, God planted a garden for Adam to live in. Genesis chapter 3 records the second instance of God coming down from his glory into the midst of his creation. How many are glad he came down from his glory? Adam and Eve had just sinned against God and they were naked and they were ashamed. And when God called to them, they hid themselves from his presence. That's what sin does and that's what sin did. It separates us from the presence of God. But Matthew 1.21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Stand with me. I'm closing. God is here today. His spirit is here. Someone here perhaps needs to be reminded that the Holy Ghost is empowering you. The Holy Ghost is with you. And all you have to do is simply lean on God and he will give you the strength that you do not have. Before the kids come and before we start our program, we're going to have a great time. I'm excited about everything that's about to happen. Before we do that, though, could we lift up our hands and say, God, I want your spirit this year. Could you just invite his presence into this room, into your heart? Come on, open up your mouth and cry out to Jesus. Lord, I pray there'd be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost today. Not only in this building, not only upon us, but within us, Lord. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Let your spirit be operating, God, in a powerful way. I pray that we would lean on you and depend on you all throughout the remainder of this year. We give you praise, God. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, take a few minutes and greet a couple people and remind them that God is for them. Be an encouragement to someone. Go find three or four people and just encourage them in the Lord.